Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves the experience of cracking them open, or you just love the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios is the perfect healthy snack when hunger strikes. I happen to love me my pistachios. Uh, I don't want to screw around with the nuts, so I love the no-shells pistachios. Anyway, there are a bunch of flavors to choose from, like honey roasted, smoky barbecue, jalapeno, lime, and more. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts, and each ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless, and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number along with your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Dude, I haven't seen you since you were uh, taking Kimmel's job away from him. Tried, it didn't work out very well. He still has it. You know, further evidence that all our systems are broken. Hey, everybody. It is me, literally. Um, Rami Youssef, ladies and germs. I love his show. His show is really, really good. Won the Golden Globe. You know, that's how good. Won a Peabody. Man's an award magnet. Um, and super funny, super smart, super good guy. One of the first people I interviewed um, as I was starting my interviewing career on uh, Jimmy Kimmel um, when I was trying to take Jimmy's job. Let's bring him on because um, I'd like to say I bring out the best in him. I'm just going to say I do. Yeah, and you'll be the judge of that. How's everything? Give, give me the headlines. What have you been up to in the ensuing uh, coming out of the pandemic? You're, you're just working as always, right? Just been working, man. Just, I mean, it's been fun to get back to stand up, which has been nice getting out there. Yeah, what was um, that like getting getting back in front of people? It was really emotional because it felt so nice and it felt really surreal, but it also felt kind of like, you know, it's like a bit of a paranoia a little bit because it's still so many people in the room and like, you know, it's not over. <laughs> yeah, you're like, uh, I'm sorry, laughing projects as much out of one's body as a cough where I come from. <gasps> I mean, if you're doing your job, it's double cough. So, yeah. So, you know, it, uh, thankfully though, my sets are pretty subdued. So there's not a ton spreading, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's a lot of nodding and staring when I'm up there. So I think it's, it's not a super spreader at all. I think, it's, <laughs> I think it's as safe as you could get. Uh, That's your lane. I like that lane as a comedian. A good lane. I'm not a super spreader. I'm not a super spreader. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to laugh too much because that could spread COVID. So I'm just, that's I'm right. just here for us to kind of feel and remember what it's like to be next to another person, another stranger, but you know, it doesn't have to go much further than that. Um, but I've been doing a lot of that. Uh, where have you, where have you, is, has it been a proper tour or has it been sort of going out when you feel like it and when you have time? I have never done a proper tour. I, I always kind of, you know, I've been really fortunate where we're making the show or I'm shooting something or working on something. And then I'll kind of, you know, see, oh shit, I have 
three weeks that are free that I didn't think were free. And then I just scramble to like perform anywhere. And I don't really care where I perform or like what's going on. I'm just like, just get me there. Like I want to, you know, I want to just That's- do comedy. And so I, I kind of do these bursts where I kind of go out and all year I'm writing all this stuff in my notebook. And if I can get out one night, I'll go do it and whatever. And then I kind of will go out and do these like big chunks where I'm just trying shit out. And that it's really fun. That's so, that's amazing. It's fun. So do you have um, favorite cities in terms of the comedy reception? Not just, not like food cities you like. I'm talking about like people, audience receptions. You go, I always kill in Miami or whatever it is. I oddly probably have the most fun in DC and mm. Toronto. Those are like the two cities. So weird because they don't seem at all related. I know. I know. But if I was just like, where do I have the most pure fun? It's in those two because, um, you know, Toronto is one of the most diverse cities and it's just an amazing collection of people who are, you know, they're, they're, you feel the international difference. Like they really kind of have like a cool perspective that's zoomed out. Um, and yeah. DC, everyone's obviously has to be kind of politically aware. It's like theirs. So you kind of right. get a bit of that. I'll add London too. London's really fun. Like they, London's super fun, isn't they're it? They're smart and really just not offended by anything. So, so it's that great thing where you get the intellectual yeah. level, but you also, yeah. you know, you don't really get, um, you still get the same sensitivities. It's pretty great. London is those audiences. They pay attention. Yeah. I did a, a play there in, in the West end for six months. Wow. And, it's a whole different experience than, than Broadway or anywhere else. I mean, it's like if you get a standing ovation in London, you've earned it. In America, I haven't I haven't been to a show on Broadway in probably thirty years mm. where there wasn't a standing ovation. Yeah, there's just people just stand for anything here. You know, just they stand for stand anything. <laughs> they literally. St- I saw. I went to a play once and they stood. They gave a standing ovation to the change of scenery. <laughs> literally. And I was like, okay, all right, this is what it's been debased to. And in London, man, they're like, they're not giving it to you. Well, no way. There's also, not- they, yeah, they, they have this, like, um, they know how to watch things in a way that I think is really cultured. I don't know. I just, I, I really, yeah, I really appreciate being there. It's, 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 a, it's a really fun, yeah. It's really- Did you see this whole, um, this thing that was, uh, went viral recently where it's, they're, it's the new uh, uh, production of Death of a Salesman, and some audience members going getting whack and going crazy. It becomes an eight, literally, probably more entertaining than the play actually was. And they have to stop the play, and they're talking, and it's like this give and take with the cast and this insane woman. It was well, it's interesting because that's always been so. I love performing on stage, and and because it's and and you know this from doing plays, it's like it's so there's just something you get that's so electric, that's so different. And there's no, there's no gap, you know, like you'd be making a show and it's like, you tell a joke and then the, the, the laugh comes seven months later and you're not even there for it. Like someone's just watching yeah. it at home and being in front of people, it's so immediate. But the thing that always has scared me about doing a play is that you can't change what you're saying and you can't react to the audience in real time. And so I feel like I would actually probably love this viral video because it would be like what I love about stand up and what I like about plays. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's great ones. There's a, there's another great one of, um, gosh, who is it? Patty Lapone, the great, you know, amazing, uh, you know, diva of the theater, you know, somebody's cell phone goes off and she goes, Oh, that's the other thing. Not once did somebody open a bag of Cheetos <laughs> During like the amazing monologue, somebody's trying to have, and not once, not once did a phone go off. Not once. I did have a couple having sex. At the show. In, yeah, in the Royal Box, no pun intended. And what I found out later was they were a notorious couple that like, oh, they're like quasi legendary. It's like, uh, like people talk about, oh, you know, there's a couple that, and, and like they showed up. Like it doesn't always happen, uh, but like, oh yeah, like I, I remember I was doing Les Mis and <laughs> uh, they were whatever, you know what I mean? It's like. Well, you almost have to feel for them because you wonder if that's the only time that they can. Oh, can you imagine they've, like that's their threshold of titillation. That's what it kind of sounds like, right? Because in order for them to last that long, it makes me think they probably don't do it any other place. 
And and maybe it's a compliment to the play where it's kind of like, like, oh man, did you hear about Lowe's play? It, they That yeah. couple, they had sex all the way through the second act. Like that's like, that's kind yes. of like a five-star review, like how long they can go. Yeah, I want to ask like Ian McKellen if anybody's ever done it for his <laughs> stupid little plays. Or what do you think Shakespeare? One guy or a bunch of people? You know about that? I do know. I think one guy really? because I don't know why it would be a bunch of people. What 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 would be in it? Mm. And I haven't done a deep enough dive in it. But what would be what would be the reason for it not to be one guy? Mm. Well, like I, it's like the JFK assassination. Was it one gunman or many gunmen? Mm. I get why there would be many gunmen right. there. I don't get why there'd be many gunmen writing multiple plays. <laughs> I actually haven't looked this up, but because I never asked that question to myself. The way you just asked it was really concise. Why would there be? The only thing I could think is if the plays were written by a bunch of women who yes, would not sure. be taken seriously. So then they're like, we're Shakespeare. You know, like, like, yeah, it, well, it, it's the same thing of, um, you know, S.E. Hinton, who wrote The Outsiders yeah. or J.K. Rowling, who wrote Harry Potter there. They used that because they didn't want to be known as women. Yeah, that's I mean, that's absolutely true. I think it would be that. OK, so is it one woman or is it multiple women? Mm. Is it like a knitting circle instead of knitting. They're popping out <laughs> instant classics. It's just instant. Well, the sheer number it's like I, I go back and forth because the sheer number of plays makes me think, oh, this could have been many people. But then the other side of that is there seemingly was nothing else to do. Nothing else to do. Here's the one thing that I would think maybe it, it, there's more than one person. I am not a fan of the Shakespeare comedies. Mm. I, I mean, it just between the iambic pentameter and the fact in comedy what about a shelf life. Come on, Twelfth Night? Yeah, okay. <laughs> but like, Midsummer Night's Dream, come on. Give me Macbeth. Give yeah. me, you know, Richard Third. Give me, yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, look, no one can, even Shakespeare can't be equally good at writing dramas, comedy, so can can they? What if Shakespeare's two people it's, and, and there was a comedy wing and a drama wing? Mm hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. <laughs> I'm going to have to get Paltrow back on the show. You know, Shakespeare in love herself and ask her when she was preparing for for that role. My guess would be the actual Shakespeare that we know from the photos, comedy guy, yes. and the not named woman who was writing was writing the dramas. And and they're just kind of, you know, they, all, they have to put it all under his name. And he's just kind of like, you know, dying inside that the dramas are doing better. I think. I think, do you ever, do you have, um, is there, do you have a uh, gnarly drama stirring in your psyche that you're going to write one of these days? Like, I'm talking like, do, do you have a version of like the deer hunter in you? <laughs> well, I, I love the idea of writing drama. What's the, okay, well, first of all, what for you is the most radical drama imaginable I watched, like that you've seen I watched seven minutes of Dahmer yeah, do it. <laughs> that was, I turned it off I was like this is too well done which means it's going to be stuck in my head and I can't do it I mean I I was just horrified I was like oh my god this is I'm so scared I can't I can't do it I it, it, it's, it's, it's it's a lot it's really good but it's also I also it reminded me a, a lot of Mindhunter David Fincher's yeah. If you haven't seen Mindhunter, I would see yes. that too. It's also, also great. But yeah, like I want to see your version of Chernobyl. <laughs> what I realized, what I liked about Chernobyl, it's a real life eight episode version of that great um, internet thing where they take a, that scene of Hitler in Downfall. Mm. And instead of them telling Hitler that the, the, that the, that Berlin is falling yes. in, they're, they're telling him that, that Tom Brady didn't make the playoffs yes. or whatever. That's what Chernobyl's yeah. like. But every scene is like that. It's like, I'm sorry, the reactors. But I, so there is a comedy version out there. I'm, I'm it's ripe for the picking for it. I missed that meme. That was a great meme. Wasn't that the best? It ever? was really good. Yeah, it, it's it's due for a comeback. That one was really funny. 
it's so good. It's such an evergreen. It's it's really funny. And I've oddly seen Chernobyl actually a lot because my brother-in-law is obsessed with it. So he'll like come and just like play. Like he's like, oh, you didn't see Chernobyl? You got to watch it. And so he showed it to my wife. And then I, and so it was kind of on in the background. And then he was like, oh, you weren't paying attention. We're going to watch Chernobyl. And he's just like so into, you know, and, and the filmmaking on it's amazing. And it's like, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it is. It's true. I don't know why it is. I mean, I think it got its due and got its flowers, but I, but I, but I feel like it isn't. It oddly isn't talked about enough because it, it it was really well done. Yeah, and 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 for me, like making a drama was sick. I mean, I, I even the way we approach comedy on the show definitely we lead with story first and then like add you know all the things that are funny, but you know, kind of just. I would imagine any drama I did would have to have something funny. And I think most good dramas do just blow a little bit of tension out, but to kind of yeah. really feel like, Oh no, I'm not even focusing on like jokes, but I really want to kind of tell something would be so fun. Yeah. How, your style of, um, I, I read this quote where you said, you know, it's, it's for you. It's about something that you feel is t- that you want. I'm, and I'm butchering what you said, but it's like, there's something in the air that you want to say say and there's something you want to say now mm. and then what's funny about it like have you ever reverse engineered have you ever led comedy first and then realized that didn't work for you and you needed to lead story first um all the time in the sense that like i like i'll just have a scrap of something that's like okay i really want to do this joke or this scene is really funny or this punchline just makes me laugh and then all i then do is just kind of I kind of interrogate why did it make me laugh? And there's never not a kind of profound reason, even if it's stupid. Like, you know what I mean? Like even like why a real life fart will make me, like there's times where just like farts have happened in real moments. And like, I could really like get esoteric about like why that one fart really hit the spot. And this was, is the, this is the essay the world needs. You know what I mean? Why that one fart hit the spot. And, 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 and that, digging will kind of create that pressing feeling of like why I have to tell that thing. So it, it all the time, it'll start with that really funny thing and then just be like, okay, but why am I saying this? I think at the end of the day, if I can't figure out a why and it's just funny to be funny, uh, I start to actually feel like it's not even my joke, you know, because I don't have a personal mm-hmm. connection to it. I'm like, oh, am I just laughing at this because it's a thing that's funny and it's not even mine. Like it's actually more someone else's or it's more in someone else's voice or it's really just like something kind of random. And then I start to get a little esoteric about like, well, why would I waste lifetime on something random? Or why would I present something to people that wasn't part of something cohesive? And so I try to kind of balance all that stuff while still like, you know, having it just be entertaining. And you know, you don't have to think about the, uh, the machinery or the wiring of any of it. If you're thinking about doing some home remodeling, check out Window World. Go to windowworld.com and check out their Windows Inspiration Guide. The guide is a dream book of page after page of beautiful windows. It's not just about how good they look. These beauties earned the Good Housekeeping Seal and Energy Star Certification. Go to windowworld.com to schedule your free consultation. Tell them you heard about it here on Literally with me, Rob Lowe. Window World, America's exterior remodeler. Hey, listeners. Ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Did you know that it is Asian American Pacific Islanders Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Carden, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meath. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. 
APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native, Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Who who are your um, inspirations in the the comedy, writing, producing, acting world? I grew up listening to Carlin, you know, and like, so those Carlin-style rants were always in my head, not just from listening to him, but my uncle kind of talked like Carlin, like he, that's his way of breaking things down and arguing and ranting. And he's just like a, you know, to this day, like just a ranter about, you know, he'll just get into shit and, and be really convicted yeah. about it. And so, and it was always very <laughs> funny, like just as a kid. So I, I was so inspired by my uncles. They just fight about trivial things for two hours, you know, like two hours, my uncle, I remember one time my uncle took this position that I don't even understand to this day why it mattered to him. He was just fully convinced that Condoleezza Rice and Bill Clinton had been having sex for decades. And he spent like two hours laying out all the evidence. I'm like 10 and I'm just dying. Like, I'm like, this shit is so funny. I don't know why we're having this. I'm like, he's just with dignity. He's like, he's just, you know, Really, you know, the original internet conspiracy theorist uh, I grew up with. And so, you know, that uh, totally kind of influenced for me, like what I find funny about characters. I'm like, man, like I really love characters that are just so zoned in on their point of view in a way that is like incredibly blinding. And I think, you know, that's at the core of all the really funny comedies. It's why Seinfeld's funny. It's why it's always sunny is funny. It's because everyone is just, they're never going to look inwards. They're only going to look at like what it is that they think, you know, and and, 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 yeah. and that's why those shows can run for like 400 episodes, you know? And, yeah. and, and, and so that is so funny to me. And so that, that is, is something that is, is always inspiring going into character work and, and um, you know, and then just like in terms of watching stand up, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's the obvious, it's like a Chappelle. And, and I think that with, with, with writing and with, and with, you know, I mean, Larry Sanders and, you know, just all the, obviously, you know, it's just, yeah. You, you named my, all my favorite shows, you know, <laughs> you named all, we, we have all the same. I'm a, it's, I, I agree with every single example. It's so funny. Um, I feel like it's always sunny is first of all it's in its like 17th season dude first of all dude okay and when i say it doesn't get the attention it deserves i shot an entire season of parks and recreation and never knew that in the basement below the sound stage we shot on they shot a season when i'm saying they're under the radar they literally made an entire season beneath us and we never even knew they were there. Um, but it's one of Whoa. my favorite. I think it might go down in history as the greatest live action TV comedy ever. I think. Yeah. 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 I, I, I've not thought about it that concisely. And as you're saying that I like my whole body agrees. Na- like, like name it. What pound for pound yeah. year in and year out. Yeah. What is what what is ultimately more satisfyingly funny consistently than that show? No, they're genius. And and in a way, they're under it's like it's so funny, like LeBron, uh, you know, you watch him, like every once in a while they're like, LeBron scored 48. Well, but like for most of the season, people don't even they're not appreciating like what's happening every night and how long it's been every happening. Night. And it's like I think That's Sunny right. is they're like the LeBron of comedies where you're just like you can sit and, and, you know, you can sit and say Seinfeld's Jordan and like whatever, you know, but like when yep. you look back, 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 you might just be like, they just went for so long and they were so consistent and it was so like, and what, you know, I think my favorite part about art is like, it's not as binary or competitive as sports. So like you never genuinely have to say something is better than another thing. Like they all kind of take up their own space, but they truly don't actively get the recognition um, that that they deserve because it, it's it's just unbelievable. It's an unbelievable show. It's so quotable. 
There's so many. That's the other thing. There's so many moments. What year did that start? Oh my god! I don't I mean, like. I kind of uh, want to do a quick like. Yeah, I got like, it on my phone. I got You know why I'm, I'm bringing that up? Because so we did this episode this season, um, in the third season where we did, um, you know, my character works for my uncle in the Diamond District, and you know we are the you know the only Arab Muslims in the Diamond District, and and, and we do all of our business with the Hasidic Jewish dudes in the district. And it's based on a few of my buddies who I grew up with, who were the Arabs in the district. And I was so inspired because it'd be amazing. Like they're arguing over prices, then it gets political. Then they start talking about religion, then they fight. And then someone's like, oh, I gotta go pray. And then they go pray and then they come back and then they're like making the deal and then they're eating together and then they're hugging. And you know, it was just this like insanity of, Again, what I find funny and what I love about life, everyone's holding their point of view really confidently, and they're still like they're still living with each other, you know. And 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 so we kind of we took that, we put it into the show, uh, and then this season we did this episode where we went to Tel Aviv because my character's trying to make a deal there, and he kind of gets into the complications of what's happening in Jerusalem, what's happening in Palestine, what's going on. And we kind of see it through his eyes and, and we and we kind of went in with this, you know, point of view of like, how do we take Rami, the character, to Palestine and Israel and somehow he's the biggest asshole? Like that was like my thesis statement. It's like, wow, this guy has pissed off all sides. Like this is very funny to me. So I'm in the process of writing it and I'm like, when has this been covered in comedy? And then bam, right away, I'm like, man, Sonny did it. They did everything first. Like Sonny did this this episode about Israel and Palestine where they never went anywhere, but it was like this guy moved in next door. He came in with this like old blueprint and he said, I am the original owner of your bar. <laughs> Do you know this episode? It's the craziest yes, episode. Yes, yes. And then he builds into their bar. He puts up a wall and <laughs> Charlie... <laughs> becomes like a they start making like terrorist videos in the apartment to scare him <laughs> if you can't make it up but, and also i don't think they went for it like you're on streaming you can kind of you have a little bit more latitude these guys were like on fx dude but the premise i just explained is wild for cable TV. wild like and, and they did it so many years ago and i'm like sitting here being like you know i know what we did is a unique contribution and this and that. And, and I feel really good about it. And at the same time, I'm like, dude, those guys are legends. How did they do that in that year at that time? And the way that they did it with the light, like that is true fearlessness. And I remember even just being like, you know, a, a young Arab Muslim kid watching that. So I looked it up on my phone, 2005. That's when, that's when it's kind of started. That's their first, by the way, that's season one. That, oh, is that episode in season one? Yeah, it's in season one. No way. That's yeah. Two, they started in two thousand five. Yeah, I didn't know that was season one. So, so, so to give you context, season five, uh, two thousand five. I'm gonna age myself. I'm uh, a freshman in in high school, and and I'm watching this, and I have never seen anything like cover, you know, a, a, an era of Muslim experience with any sort of conversation or nuance, and it's being done by these guys who own a bar in Philly fictional world like that's the level of transcendence where it's so human that you're like for that episode that was like culturally personal to me not i connected with it it was personal to me like it it, it is it is it's genius i mean they're genius you know the other thing is what you hit on is that that the comedy comes from a specific myopic <clears throat> point of view yeah which also means, like, tell me about the arc of your character. Guess what? My character's never having an yes. arc. Like, right, never. Yes. That's, the minute your character starts growing, yes. it's over. It's over. I, for that kind of comedy, and it's interesting, because I think, like, I was trying to explain to somebody, someone was asking me, you know, they were kind of comparing our show to uh, Atlanta, to Master of None. They were like, I know they're not the same, but there's some sort of DNA thing. And I said, yeah. it's actually this point that you just made, where... In my show, the character is affected and is shifting. And because of that, I'm actually writing to a natural end. 
I'm not writing a show that has an engine that I want to go for like to go. 20 seasons. I'm actually gotcha. writing yes. to a specific, I am writing to an art, but so much of the comedy I grew up on wasn't like that. It was literally the character truly feels, and this is what's so funny, the character truly feels that they're not the problem. So they're going to spend every episode trying to deal with everything around them without ever looking at themselves. And that's what's so blindingly stupid and funny. It's like they'll never yeah. look inward. Everything's outward. And, and, no, and Archie, Bunker, can, Archie Bunker never looked inward. He never looked once. in. And that's what's so funny. With the minute you start writing the change, you are writing, not in a bad way, yeah. you are writing towards the finish of that character's journey. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. It's a real choice. And, and, and it doesn't make it not a comedy or anything like that, but it's like, it's just a real, it's, it's a choice and that affects the tone. So then you kind of get things thrown into the category of being called dramedy and then things kind of thrown into the, co- the category of being like, you know, comedy, uh, uh, you know, more traditional, but that's the difference. And is there a line for you in watching something? particularly on streaming. And I have a show coming out on streaming. I'm in the I'm in the hunt now, mm. starting March 29th. Got my own little show called Unstable. Amazing. Where did you guys shoot this? Um we shot it over the summer. We did 8 episodes for Netflix. Amazing. And 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 uh March 29th we come out and uh Fred Armisen is in it and um uh Mary uh Elizabeth Ellis who's married to Charlie Day. Amazing. I'm just I'm asking when because I was like having this feeling that you had shot it since we knew each other. So I'm just yes. keeping note of knowing yes. that I wasn't. I never got an email or anything yep. like that. Never got a text or anything about you know. Yeah. So just, you're gonna you're coming on season two. No, 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 no. I, <laughs> I. Season two, it's joke centric for sure, and I, I wonder, um, do you ever find watching some shows where you go. Like I remember like being on, okay, when I was doing Parks and Rec and we would come in and Amy Poehler would be nominated as she should be for best lead actress in a comedy. And she would lose to like Edie Falco in Nurse Jackie. And I'd be like, okay, look, I love Edie Falco. Edie Falco is one of my favorite actors on the planet. Comedy? Yeah. Against Amy Poehler? I mean, awards are tortured. Like, I think the whole thing is, like, is pretty wild. Like, I, I think that, you know, again, like, the the concept of winning and, 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 and trying to kind of equate, like, a because it's essentially kind of equating a point system. So it's, like, on one end, I'm, like, fuck the awards. Like, like let's just be done with them. And, and it's so funny. Yeah, yeah. I really felt that when we were, like, trying to do them during the pandemic, where it was kind of, like, like almost as if it was, like, like an essential worker situation. Yeah. The yes, exactly. Must continue, like yes. even through that. And I'm like, there should be a, probably a bunch of other shit we should be coordinating right now. Yes. And, Libraries will remain open <laughs> and award shows. It's like, what will people do if they don't know what the best comedy and or musical was this year? You know, that like it's like That's it right. actually doesn't matter. But on the flip, you know, with such a crowded landscape, it's an amazing way to get people to watch because it's like, you know, there's there's only so much time for, for attention and all, and, and, and there's so much happening. So, so I, I, I think it's, it's not to dodge the question. I mean, I, I, I do think they are different. I mean, things. you are, you, you are a man with a Peabody to his name guy. So I, I mean, the, you know what I'm saying? You have a Peabody. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have a Peabody. By the way, to me, that's the, I mean, that's the throat. <laughs> for me. I, I mean, just, I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You with your Emmys and your, Golden Globes. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that my Peabody in the ward? Oh, I'm so sorry. Can I make a suggestion? Please. Um, the next time you get a, a new car, when your yeah. lease is up, think about having it installed as a hood ornament. <laughs> well, you know, no two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas, vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activity allow for such an infinite number of different travel experiences. I mean, I love Texas. I go like this, the people of Dallas, the culture of Austin, and I love any time I get there. If you're a beach person, well, you can go have fun in the sun with Texas 350 miles of coastline. 
If you're a rugged vacation type, there's campgrounds, hiking trails, state parks, golf is nuts there, foodies. You got your Texas barbecue and live music in Austin. And of course, if you're into the cowboy scene, you can certainly find it there. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom trip matched to their own unique interests. So visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters, yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You know the only thing I ever let interrupt my podcast? My dog. Take a minute now, please. Pet your dog while you learn about Bark, the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. Every toy is tailored to your pup's size and play style. From squeaky plush toys from BarkBox to ultra-tough, durable ones from Super Chewer. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Each box is inspired by a new theme and comes with fun surprises for you and your dog. For a limited time, they'll double your first box of goodies for free. I love making my dogs happy. Love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And my dogs are obsessed with their chewable toys. BarkBox offers treats, keep my dogs healthy, and amazing new toys that keep my dogs entertained. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone. And an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. All good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash Rob. That's harrys.com slash Rob for a $3 trial set. Do you know the the, the apocryphal story about Shelly Winters? Um, have you ever heard this story? No. It, it, that Shelly Winters w- wanted to to play a part in something and they wouldn't see her and they wouldn't see her and they didn't think she was right. And this is Shelly Winters. And she finally goes into the audition with a, a, a sack. And before she begins to finally do the audition that they wouldn't see her for, she very slowly and, and deliberately takes out a sandwich and then one Oscar and then another Oscar. And says, okay, we can begin. See, I, so I think there is a world in which there's a there's there's like you know a move. I mean, you know, you did it. You won it. Nobody won it but you. You did the hard work. No, this is good. It's good advice to. to uh, you're essentially telling me to live my life a little bit more Peabody forward. Yes, like Peabody just, forward. That's the title of the episode we're 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 working on right now. Peabody forward is Pe- Peabody is, forward. It, it's interesting because I definitely don't live that way so I, I it's a it's something to reflect on I, I kind of like genuinely when you said you want to be body i forgot like I, there was a part of me that was like oh yeah that felt because everything i don't know if you feel, everything feels like and in a good way i think i like to think this helps me feel more present but everything feels like it didn't happen like there's just only now like i try to hold on to the good it's not like i don't want to like yes. eliminate it but especially i find 
recognition fades very quickly. What stays is the feeling of getting to do it, which is why you being like, I made a show with my son. I'm like, that's the most brilliant fucking thing that you ever did because it's like, you that won't go away. It doesn't even right. matter if, who cares what it is on Rotten Tomatoes. Like you right. did that. Like you got to spend all that time together achieving something like that. Like that, that means so much. It, it's It's so... Yeah, that you don't forget that. No, the rest of it comes and goes. Like, which is a thing you hear too, but then it's really interesting to like truly live it and experience it and just be like, oh yeah, this is like, the things you remember or you want to remember are so incredibly personal. What was it like shooting in Tel Aviv? I've shot in Israel as well. What did you shoot there? Oh, (laughs) this is before your time, but there was a guy named Menachem Golan. Uh And he was very famous... Israeli producer who, you know, as, as you know, about every 10 years, there's, there's someone who tries to buy their way into the industry. Yes. Yeah. Spending a bunch of, right. So he would famously overpay A-listers and he made nothing but schlock. And you're like, every 10 uh, years, there's someone who tries to buy their way in and I cash that check. <laughs> and I am their first call. <laughs> He did make one really great movie called Runaway Train with John Voight and Eric Roberts. It's a, a I'm great movie. I'm just seeing you like in three years in this like indie funded by Putin. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Me and Steven Seagal. We already have it in development. We're actually doing a reboot of The Odd Couple. One of them's from Ukraine. The other's from Russia. <laughs> and they don't understand themselves until the end when they understand each other. Um, anyway, so... We, it was a Navy SEAL movie mm-hmm. called uh, The Finest Hour, and it wasn't mine. <laughs> um, and we shot it all through Israel. And they didn't even spend enough money to have, like, proper weapons. And it was – they told I, – I, it was me and another guy. And I'm like, oh, who's playing the other guy? It's a really important part. And I remember um, – what's the movie where – with Robin Williams, where everybody stood on the tables at the end and cried. Oh yeah, the Dead Poet Society. Dead Poet Society. Yeah, that's yeah. that's my. By the way, my my one line, my log line. Everybody stands on a table and cries. <laughs> um, so and everybody's right. Like that's all anybody remembers from that movie. But they, I was like, who's the 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 you know my coaster? And like, oh, the guy from Dead Poet Society. And I was like, fucking a great. And I thought, you know. It, that meant it was like what Ethan Hawke, right? Yes, it wasn't. It was like a guy who passed by, who was in a scene <laughs> in the Dead Poet Society. <laughs> and then I was like, "Well, okay." And I was like, "Okay, so who's playing my the love interest?" And they're like, "Oh, Melanie Griffith. I love Melanie Griffith." It was her sister, Tracy Griffith. So it was just one thing after another. And <laughs> um, that my, it was, it was nuts, but um, we got through it. And, and, and again, it's like the movie, the movie comes and goes, but, but shooting in Israel was so insane and fun. And what an amazing place. It's so funny. I forgot it. Like in the middle of it, I forgot it was in Israel. And I was like, you've really been through shit. And we didn't even get there like that you were in the region. In Israel. <laughs> it was already like a, a, a journey. <laughs> oh, they were. I, I'm a Navy SEAL. I'm doing scenes in the water. Oh, and God. like, I realized they haven't grounded the wires for the lights. Dude. Oh, yeah. There, then then there's like, we're supposed to have smoke and they were burning rubber tires. <laughs> No, like, be smoker. They didn't have any of that shit. They didn't believe any of that shit. It was so nuts. But you know what's really cool, though? And then this just goes to show you why it's a danger to shit on any of your work, even if it mm. is bad. Is like, that is a beloved movie in the Navy SEAL community. Because mm. there mm. aren't that many movies yeah. about Navy yeah, yeah. SEALs. Yeah. You know, they've all seen it. Yeah. Everybody in the teams has seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and they, I'm sure they laugh about it, but. <laughs> I mean, look, it did. If it did something, you know, if it connected, that's what we're doing. This just to connect. So if it connected, then it connected. How long were you in Israel shooting it? We so we were there for um, 
like three weeks and it was it was like i mean the the crew we worked with was was unbelievable um you know we were really trying to tell again the story with, with the goal of rami kind of pissing everybody off he goes over to this deal he you know dating app matches with a girl who drops her pin and he only realizes until he gets up to the wall and the checkpoint that she's on the other side of it. And so he kind of spends, you know, a bunch of this episode negotiating, getting over there. And then he gets there and we kind of see what life is like in Palestine. We see uh, what, you know, the kind of human slice of what people are really going through. Um, And while we were there, you know, it was, we were supposed to be actually shooting between Jerusalem uh, a little bit in Haifa, and then a little. I shot bit, in Haifa. Yeah, Haifa's gorgeous. In the port, we shot all there in the port. That's where I was in the water all the Dude, time. Dude, that it's just it's unbelievable. And 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 speaking of that port, what was really interesting is the other place we were supposed to shoot was in a few of the Palestinian cities that are on the other side of the wall. And while we were there, there was this journalist who was killed, Shreena Brachla, which kind of made the news. It was a pretty big story. That happened while we were there. So it was incredibly tense. There were funerals, her funeral was highly politicized. There were protests. It was this kind of massive human rights violation that, you know, to this day really hasn't been even, it's never been hashed out, but it was, it was very, you know, wild to be in the middle of it. We had to shift all of our shooting. So we had cast these kids who are on the other side, and now we need to get them to Haifa. The plan was never for them to be in Haifa. We were supposed to go to them. And one of them had never been. So we had to kind of get him a visa. And it was basically like negotiating this massive political thing because I was like, they came to me, you know, I'm talking to people at Disney and this whole thing. And they're like, you got to recast the kid. And I'm like, no, get him a visa. Like you're Disney. Like we can do this. Like, let's just get this kid a visa. And so we get this kid a visa and it's his first time getting to cross the checkpoint. He's never been. And he came just for our shoot. We took him to the port in Haifa. And it was his first time being in the water. Like he had never been to like a body of water. It was my, it was just mind blowing. Like, like to get to be part of that for someone there and have that be just a side effect of this thing that we put on TV was just incredibly emotional. It was one of the most emotional things I've, I've ever had the chance of being a part of. I mean, it was, it was really, it was special. It was, it was really special. That's amazing. It's also amazing that they even let you, we were able to, to, to work out going there in the first place with security and travel. Yeah. Being yeah. Cause is. you know how it is on these shoots, you know? And I think now my only regret is I wish I had been able to tell him, you know, when he was in the water for the first time, like I wish I'd been able to at that time know and tell him, you know, Rob Lowe swam here, you know, like right. this, this is, this is, you're in these waters, you know, I mean, and, and, and that he doesn't know that is kind of a shame, I think. Yeah. I, I think that, that, that most people don't know it as a tragedy. <laughs> it's and, a very uh, misunderstood thing about the region, I think, like of the many things, but I think one of them would be, this is kind of a, a lost fact in history. That's right. So you're telling me that your show's coming to an end. I don't, that makes me sad. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're kind of trying to figure it out right now. I mean, we're we're hoping to 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 do what would be yeah, what would be like a last a last season, and and no, it's exciting. Don't die. I'm gonna have don't, to die. Yeah, that's the only way anything don't, can end. Don't is in, don't die. Is in sh- every show has to end like the end of, of Breaking Bad. You know, just just like sorry if I just spoiled it for anyone, but just covered in blood. Yeah. Yes. And this, by the way, it's why I don't want to see the new Indiana Jones because it's could not be more clear. Oh, is that what they're leading to? Ah, yeah. It could not be more clear that yeah. that Indiana Jones is going to die. First of all, Harrison Ford can't stop saying he wants Indiana Jones to die. He's been saying it for thirty years, and you know the man's not a spring chicken. So I, I don't know about you, but I can do the storytelling math. Yeah. Yeah. He he when he becomes Indiana Jones, there is this. There's a lot of, yeah, kind of fatalism that kind of comes out of him for sure. That energy is very present. Isn't it? Very. Have you seen the trailer for it yet? No. Oh, I, I'd, I kind of feel like I am seeing it just by talking to you. I'm like, oh, I get Like I already, you know, it's like already playing in my head. <laughs> there's a great moment where 
<laughs> where he kind of puts on the fedora and they go, Mr. Jones. You know, it's like some amazing character actor just throwing the fuck down, right? And, and like just going like, we will not stand for your shenanigans, Mr. Jones. Like one of those setups. And and Harrison kind of gives him the, well, I, I don't really do that any, anymore. And he w- kind of walks off like he's going to the lunch wagon. It's really weird. It's, it's kind of amazing. It's like got like, I'm going to crafty energy. Oh, it's got, I'm going to crafty vibes. It's so subtext is Harrison's going to crafty. The subtext is, can I go to crafty now? Like in every scene? Very, very much so. Because I think I think he's going to the great crafty in the sky. <laughs> the great At the end of crafty it. in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't, I don't want that to happen to you on your show. No. I want you to, to skip the light, trip the light fantastic. No, you're right. To the next, to the next chapter. You're right. You're right. We'll keep it open. <laughs> or at least in the coming attractions for the new season. Be like, Rami, we don't want any more of your shenanigans. You go, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. And slowly turn. Uh, about just a few more episodes. You know, I'm mean, just, yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Uh, <coughs> um, yes, we need to find a way to do something together. I think I think this is a couple America demands. Dude, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's definitely yeah. And is is Menachem still around? Or? Unfortunately, he and his wallet died. <laughs> Unfortunately, this All is right. the day when when we, we were shooting on film. Do you know what short ends are? Because you don't shoot on film. You probably never seen a film movie camera. I mean, You're so young man. I've seen one. I definitely have been. I've okay. been here. I've been here many. All right. So, when you can't afford or don't want to pay for actual film in the magazines, what you buy are called the short ends, which are what happens when the guy goes, "You, yeah, well, we got about thirty more feet here," and they go, yeah. "Okay, let's just change mags." Yeah. That thirty feet is what we shot the movie on. Yeah. Patched yeah, yeah. together. It's like uh, like when you get sneakers from like a recycled shoe company and you're like, right, these, these are not comfortable. <laughs> these aren't really Yeezys. You can't fool me. Yeah. Um, Mr. Rami Youssef, uh, always a pleasure. Um, I did get this show. I got this show. Maybe that was because we had such a good interview during Kimmel. I, I yeah, I would, I would hope that uh, we should ask serious corporate, but I'm guessing it had to be one of the the examples deciding. shown to them. It was one of the deciding factors. I think it had to be. Tip must have tipped over some conversation. I, I think it did, and and we we will do more. I'm I am here to fet you, interview you, do a moderated conversation with uh, Showtime showrunners for the Hollywood Reporter. I'm just saying. We I think definitely a Hollywood Reporter collab. Is in the works. Don't yeah. you think for Got the it. next award for the next award season? Next Come on award now. season, some sort of actors on actors. Oh yes, mag. you know there's a lot that that could go down. I'm your guy. We're each other's guys. That's the- and remember, live your life Peabody forward. Next time I see you, I'm gonna let you know about the results of it. But I, I think it will lead in some uncomfortable situations, but ones that are ultimately more honest. Uh, with with yes. those that I that I'm you know interacting with, and I need that this year. Yeah. Listen, I'm trying to convince Tom Hanks to wear his Kennedy Center Honors um, that ginormous looks like a goddamn Olympic medal. I'm like, bro, you want it? You're Tom Hanks, wear it to the Starbucks. I think I would. It. I think I'll do he it. Might we're gonna see? I'm working on him. I'm he's a hard nut to crack, but 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 if you do see a paparazzi photo of him wearing it. <laughs> To you know, in his Lululemons, getting out of a spin class, you'll know it was because <laughs> he finally listened to me. <laughs> well, if you've learned nothing, you've learned uh, you're going to try to find my <laughs> Menachem Golan Navy Seal movie. He was the Tommy Wiseau of producers. If Tommy Wiseau actually made many, 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 many movies, um, anyhow. Remy Youssef, thank you for being on the show. I, I just 
love going down silly rabbit holes with you. He's just such a smart, funny, funny man. All right, just one more thing before we end today's episode. Let's check the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally in our lowdown line where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hey, Rob. This is Kathy down in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm a longtime fan. I love your books. Of course, all your movies. I'm not embarrassed to say I had your poster on my wall back in the 80s. And the podcast is amazing. But (laughs) I was watching the interview last night, which I had never seen before. And guess who shows up as a cameo? Mr. Rob Lowe. So (laughs) my question for you is, did you have a blast making that movie with those guys? And also, what was your experience with the release of that movie and all the controversy surrounding it? Thanks so much, and keep the podcast going. I absolutely love it. It makes my walks with my dog very, very, very fun. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for for being with me for since the poster on the wall days. Um, the interview. Oh my goodness. I so Seth Rogen, uh, who I didn't really know was a fan, obviously, and his partner asked me if I would come in and and play, you know, the part of myself going on James Franco's CNN show and announcing to the world that I was bald and and taking off my toupee publicly for the first time, Um, which I thought was a genius idea. And of course, was going to do that. And we had um, hours and hours and hours trying to get the, it's a bald, it's a bald cap with a wig over it, but the wig had to look good. It had to look sort of like my hair. So it was a, a really elaborate process, w- way more elaborate and time-consuming. I spent more time in the makeup and hair chair than I ever did actually shooting the movie. Um, and they were super funny, um, yelling out joke ideas, um, super loose on the set. Um, the way that they work is so collaborative and... So funny, and I had an absolute blast. I think my favorite part is the Chiron that I think runs under my interview on 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 it. It says, I think it says Rob Lowe, bald actor. I think is the description, which made me laugh. Um, and then, of course, Kim Jong Un gets very upset at the movie, as you you were alluding to, and cyber attacks Sony, and it's a big deal. And if you guys, if it somehow slipped beneath your radar, Google it. It, it was. I mean, we didn't know what was going to go on. It was an. It, the movie caused an international incident. This stupid comedy. I mean, careers were lost. Politicians. It was a. I mean, a big deal. I mean, we had to have security. We didn't know if we were going to be targeted for death. Really, it sounds insane. It sounds like that should be the Seth Rogen movie. Um. Who knew? And it kind of hurt the movie, actually, because that became the story. And um, not a lot of people saw it, um, but it's a it's a really good movie. And I'm, I'm glad you saw it. And I had a good time doing it. I will see you all next week here on Literally. And thank you again for being on the treadmill with me, walking your dog with me, taking the kids to school with me, sneaking away in your lunch break with me or ignoring your wife or husband in bed with me, whatever you're doing, however you're doing this. I know how you're doing it. Um, I've implanted a device and I can follow you. So um, keep it up and uh, I'll see you next week. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced by me, Rob Schulte, with help from associate producer Sarah Bagar. Our research is done by Alyssa Grawl. The podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Adam Sachs, Jeff Ross, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. All of the music on this podcast was composed by Devin Bryant. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Literally with Rob Lowe. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher.
I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance EVs. They're certainly out here there. But when I when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires.